And, and today we're in a, in a very, actually a very famous passage. It's actually a, a, probably a hymn that was written about Christ um, that was um, in, in very important in the early church. And it was a part of the book of Philippians. I um, mean, we're going to learn some, uh, some examples about really how Christ lived his life, how his life was sort of described as a whole. Um, and and I, I want to raise this concept, you know, that, that we had in our, in our greeting time. Jacob talked about this, you know, who's someone that's a model for you? And, and sometimes we, we take that, you know, very seriously. You know, someone who's a character I want to emulate, someone who has this. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's just you know, whatever. Um, it's just we just follow people. We just do things that people do. I mean, we were down at Auburn at the football game. We had the privilege of being down there watching the game. And, you know, they have the cam that sort of shoots around the crowd with the music. Just boom, boom, boom. Music's just going and people are dancing. And, you know, I, it was so hysterical. Hysterical. I, I just love, you just love watching a lot of people do all their different dance moves. And I'm like, most of them are not original, right? Most of them have learned those dance moves for something. There, there was this one with this little kid. I mean, he was out in the aisle. I mean, it was, he was like, he had this whole thing. He was just like doing this whole thing. And he was just going all over the place. And then he finished and he went and sat down by his dad. And then, and then, and then the whole thing was captured. And it was just, and the crowd just going, yeah! And it, it, was just, it was just so fun. Um, and then you had all people doing different you know, moves. That I, have no, I have no idea what they all are. You know, I'm not even going to try. I, I don't have a dancing bone in my body. Um, but... Um, but the, we, we do, we just like to follow, we see things that we like, you know, I want to do that. Or, 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 or we see people who, ha- who accomplish certain things, we go, I want to do that. Or we see the outcome that people have in certain areas of life, and we go, I want that. I mean, I, I do that with my work. I, I actually like to read, I mean, I, I like to read, and I like to read like management, efficiency, um, you know, problem solving type of books. I like that. I mean, I really do. And so I, I read books and I try to find what's something I can take from this and actually apply. That I can take this concept and utilize it. Okay, here, here's a, a teeny one. Okay, you ready for a teeny one? Stop using the word but. Not for your rear end, but for the conjunction. Okay, the conjunction but. Because when you say something, you say, you know, I really like what you're wearing today, but it doesn't really go with your skin tone. Okay, <clears throat> they, 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 they forget, they forget what you said, I like what you're wearing, all they hear is, but it doesn't go with your skin tone. If you say, and, I really like what you're wearing, and it's not the greatest with your skin tone. Uh, now, uh, saying the word and actually changes how things come across. And I actually try it. I, I actually use it, instead of saying, I say, say, hey, I really appreciate, you know, the stuff that you did, and we need to make some adjustments as we're going forward. Um, and and it's, just, it's just a more, it's a nicer way. It's a way that, that helps someone hear what you're saying. Where it was, you throw that big butt in there in the middle, and it's just like they cut everything off before it, and all they hear is what comes after. So, I would, okay, the little teeny tip. I, I'm trying to learn from somebody. I'm trying to follow somebody. I'm trying to take that piece of data and go, and I actually find it helpful. And so I do it with management books. I do it with this or that. I want to learn. And, and, I, and I want to take things from people and implement them. Now, we all do that in various ways. We may, we may see how a classmate you know, gets the attention of a boy. And we go, oh, I'm going to do what she's doing. Or we may see uh, someone else who, who actually knows how to study in a class and get good grades. And you go, hey, I want to study like they study. And well, how, do you stu- how do you get those good grades? Well, I actually read my notes at night. Really? I actually study more than just the night before the exam. Really? I've never heard of such a thing. And I'm in grad school. Um, you know, so, but, but seriously, we, we learn from people because they do things that succeed. They do things that actually work. And so we go, oh, wow, I want to follow that. I want to learn. And we're by nature people who pick things up from others. 
Not many of us, what's that, what's that Geico commercial? You know, not many of us want to do those things that just don't work over and over. Like the guy, he's like banging his head on the thing or he's, his arm is stuck in the machine or is sleeping in a bed of poison ivy. I mean, those things are not things that you learn from and go, yes, I'm going to do that. No, you, you learn from people who actually do things that succeed and we follow. We're by nature people who try to learn and to grow and to follow people. We have models. Whether we think of it formally or informally, we do it all the time. We learn, we follow, we copy, we emulate. We try to become more effective in what we do and what we're trying to seek after. And so I, I want to take that concept and I want to look at that concept and bring it into this realm that we call our faith. You know, if you're here today and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then we many times call you a Christian. Okay, right? You've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've gotten forgiveness of your sins. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And you have the hope of eternal life with him. We sometimes even call ourselves disciples of Christ. A disciple is someone who follows, who actually practices the teaching of, who tries to become like someone. We don't have as much of it in our culture today of apprentices. You know, it used to be a lot more common when people would have a trade. You would come learn the trade and you would work as an apprentice. And you would follow and you would learn. And you would develop the skills over time until you became a master. Until you, so you would actually follow and try to emulate and become more and more. We have it some in medical school stuff. So you come in for a residency. You're learning. You're trying to become. Um, and we, in some careers you're trained up. But, but there's this process of learning. And, and that concept of discipleship. It's sort of like the image behind what we're supposed to be doing with Christ. We're supposed to be following behind him, becoming more like him. He is the model for us to follow. But I don't know about you, but I don't actually think about that a lot. I don't a lot of times just go, okay, Jesus is my model. I want to live my life like he lived his. That's not in the most foremost point of my brain. Just think about that for a second. If, if you were going to characterize Jesus' life, if he's the model you're supposed to follow, what is that supposed to do? What, what are we supposed to do? I mean, we want to be a good Christian person. We say, oh, I've got to be doing this. I've got to be doing that. I've got to be doing this. I have these expectations from here. I have these opportunities here. If I do all these things, then I'm a good Christian person. But what does it really mean to follow the model of Christ? Is it possible that we've sort of filled in that understanding with our own desires? Or maybe we've taken it from, from expectations that somebody else has given to us. Of this is what it means to be religious. Or this is what it means to be a good Christian. Or this is the tradition that I come from. And we sort of have built this picture of what we're supposed to do and be. From maybe all sorts of sources. You know, where, where do we get our idea from? of what it means to model and to live like Christ. Well, today we're going to look at a passage that, that, that actually describes Christ in his being from eternity past to his life on earth to eternity future. And in the context of that, we're called to model him. We're called to be like him. We're called to adopt his approach to life. So today we're just going to look at those verses that describe who Christ is, how he lived, what he did in the context of being called to, to live like him. So I hope that today we can walk out with a better picture, maybe a clear picture, maybe a simple little image, maybe just one thing that we can do as we desire to model our lives after Christ, as we desire to actually follow him 
and become like him. Now, as you can imagine, this might be challenging. Because Christ's life is probably not the life most of us have as what we, as what we you know, aspire to. I mean, how many of us aspire to a life where our closest friends abandon us and we're killed and mocked in a shameful, merciless way? Show of hands? No, I don't, I, you know, no. Well, how then is he our model? Wasn't he a failure? Wasn't he rejected and abandoned and mocked and killed as a criminal? How is that a success? How is that someone we're supposed to follow? And yet he's our Lord. So today we're going to look at that and, and, and we're going to see as we look at the passage you know, that Jesus modeled for us. He modeled sacrificial service for us. And we're going to see what that looks like. We're going to see how that played out and how he became a servant. How he obeyed his father. How he, you know, was honored then by God. How he had a different measurement of what success in life is. Had a different measurement, had a different frame of how you're supposed to approach life. And that's what I want us to consider today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. If you don't have it, you can read on the screen. But I would actually, I would actually, this is a passage, this is one of those I'd even encourage you to memorize. I mean, Philippians has a ton of awesome passages. But this one is really great to get in your brain. Not only because it teaches you about Christ and gives you this reverence and an awe for him that you're like, he did that, he did what, he did that, he did what, he did that, he did what. And then it talks about what he's going to become. That, that one day he's going to be held in honor, one day he's going to be acknowledged by everyone. And you're like, yeah. So it gives you this picture of who Christ is, what he did, and it also will serve as a reminder of how we're supposed to live. So I encourage you if, you, if you, you know, start a word at a time, a comma, another word, comma. It's a great passage to memorize. Ephesians, Philippians 2, 5, 11. But here we go. So we'll read it. Get my Bible to the right page. Well, Strymer verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, or every tongue acknowledge, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we're just going to walk through the different sections, talk about who Christ is, what he did, and, and what the outcome will eventually be. And as we do that, we're going to see what he models for us. Because if you remember this passage, you know, last week we sort of were doing Philippians a little out of order. I preached last week, which is a passage from two weeks ago, which we talked about that the gospel is worthy of us standing firm, the gospel is worthy of us striving together, and the gospel is worthy of us suffering. 
And then the passage that comes after that is what Jacob preached a couple weeks ago where he talks about how we're supposed to interact with one another. If we've experienced this gospel, if we've experienced any of the benefits of that, any of the relationship with Christ, then hey, treat others with humility. Value others above yourselves. And then he goes on further and he gives the example of Christ as the actual model of how we're supposed to do that. And so he comes down to verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he begins this description of who Christ is. Let's sort of walk through this. He says in verse 5, he says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he, in verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So I'm going to focus first on verses 6 and 7. Now, isn't, I mean, it's so funny, I told someone yesterday, I was preaching on this, you're like, you're doing all that in one Sunday? I'm like, yeah, I know you could like, you know, break each little verse, whatever down. I'm like, hey, you know, Jesus, who being in very nature God. And we, we can go into the Trinity, we can go into the, the, the three who's, the one what, the three persons of, of, of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so here we have this thing, he says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So this gives us a picture of, of Jesus and eternity past existed for all eternity. God himself in three persons. Jesus, fully God. Okay? Now, you and I have never experienced that. Right? We've never been fully God. We've never spoken and the world's come into existence. We've never stood outside of time and known all things and all people. We might understand a math problem here or a relationship here or a job here. But we've never been over sovereign over the galaxies. Okay, so, so this is Christ. This is, this is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Christ. A very nature God. But he didn't consider that, that existence, that, 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 that relationship, that, that mode of being, because he did not consider quality of God something to be used to his own advantage. And then he didn't say, I have all this and therefore I get, I'm going to get the max of this. I'm, I'm going to claim every right and every privilege and everything that I am due. That is what I'm going to do. He says, no, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Sometimes another translation may say, to be, to be held on to. In other words, he was willing to forego some of the glory and honor and prestige and benefits of who he is as God and set them aside. He says he, says he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. What? God? A very God making himself a servant. Just let that soak for a second. You talk about going down the corporate ladder. God of all creation moving into a form 
into a setting, into a context where he is seen as a servant, where he is seen as a baby born into poverty, where he is seen as a family that flees to Egypt as a refugee. God, very God, does not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. I mean, think about. It. I mean, a, a, I, I like I like creation. I like things in this world that are that are amazing. I mean, you, I mean, you look at the smallest thing. You look at a leaf. You look at a cell. I mean, look at a gnat. I, I don't like them. They're all the fruit flies. I don't like them at all. They they just breed like crazy. And you try to kill them. You know, you put the little vinegar, put the little saran wrap, and they get trapped in there. Y'all done that? Okay, good. Yeah. So, I don't like those little gnats. They just are all the place. They're teeny. But they're amazing. I mean, that's inc- a gnat. It's incredible. Okay, gnat, human being. Well, then that's pretty cool, but come on. Human being, you and me, rational thought, intention, purpose, self-awareness. We are infinitely different than a gnat. So if I decide to become a gnat, that'd be a pretty much like, I know you may not think a lot of me, but I promise you it's a downward move. <laughs> God of all creation humbled himself and took the form of a servant. Humbled himself, entered humanity. Still fully God, but also now fully man. Made himself nothing. That's what it says. Made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. There's something about the Christian faith that's in there. See, Jesus didn't become a human for, our benef- for his benefit. It wasn't a step up. It wasn't, it wasn't a new opportunity for growth and development. It was making himself nothing. See, there, there's just some piece about our faith that serving, that thinking of others, that putting others' needs above ourselves is pretty central. I sometimes think about it this way. I think you know, as we go in our Christian faith, I, I sometimes call it the ministry switch. I don't know where I came up with that term from, but it's just how I always refer to it. Is that, you know, we come, we put our faith in Christ, we're growing in our life, we're doing this, we're growing. And, and then at some point, it may or may not happen ever. I don't know. But I've seen it happen time and time again. I see it happen with kids. I see it happen with adults. I see it happen here. I, but at some point, sometimes this thing shifts and folks go, I'm not in this all for myself. It's not all about me. I'm actually here to serve others. I'm here to actually help 
others. It's not what I can get out of it. It's not how I can make it more about me, how I can be more satisfied, more entertained, more, more prominent, more powerful. I'm actually here to help others as well. I actually enter a room and, and don't need to be all consumed about who I am and how I'm perceived, but I can actually come and serve and meet other people's needs. It's not about me evaluating and critiquing and going, this isn't just what I want to be in the consumer. It's about actually serving and taking my mind off all that I am due or all that I can claim, but instead going, how can I actually serve? Have you met someone like that before? Have you experienced, have you done that yourself before? I, you probably have. You've come into situations and relationships and, and opportunities and, and you've looked at your life going, how can I actually help other people? How can I actually care? How can I do something for somebody else? You see, that, that is what Jesus is modeling. He is setting aside his rights. He's setting aside all that he can claim. He's setting aside all the possibilities and all the honor that, that he could be currently experiencing. He made himself nothing for us. And that is supposed to be a part of our Christian experience. Because he's our model. Now that's not easy. But that's what he invites us into. And it sure is rewarding. We all like it when we know we have someone who is, who is concerned for our well-being, who, who is, going to, is going to encourage, who's going to help us and have their eye on us. Not, not that someone's going to like, you know, become codependent or someone who's going to just, you know, do whatever we want, not for our benefit, but just because we're a bully or, or whatever else. But, but people are actually concerned for our well-being, thinking of our best interest in serving us. That's what Christ has done. That's the first model. He became a servant. And I just, want, I just want us to ask and just to think, hey, that's our model. You know, from the greater to the lesser. If he can step from divinity to adding humanity in humility, what in my life is he asking me to do? Is he inviting me into a lifestyle where it's not all about me? Is he inviting me into a way of life where I serve by his power? Where I see him work in and through me to bless others? That's a model he's given for us. Okay? So first thing, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Next verses. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay, so first he takes this role as a servant. Okay? Next, what does he do? He becomes obedient. Obedient to the Father. Even to death. Death on a cross. Come on. That's not what we want from this Christian life. We want this convenient Christian life that actually comes right alongside all that we want to do and makes it easier. We want our problems solved. We want everything to go just like we want so we can accomplish our goals, wishes, and dreams. 
And true, we do have the presence of God. God doesn't promise to take care of all our problems. He promises to be with us in, through and in the midst of those problems. And he does give us peace, and he does guide us, and he does lead us. And, did you catch that? And, he often invites us to obedience that costs. To suffering and foregoing some success. That's what he modeled. And that's what he invites us to be a part of. But I just want it to be convenient. I want God in my God box. And I want my life here. And I want God to fit in those places where I need his help and the rest of the time leave me alone. Because I want my life to run like I want it to run. And, and he can help me in the areas where I want his help. And God says, I don't fit in no box. God invites us to follow him and to pursue him and to be obedient to him. And sometimes he causes us to do things that cost, that hurt, that set aside. Sometimes we sit with someone at school at a table who's not very popular. Sometimes we have a conversation and make a friendship with someone who's hurting, even though we know it's going to hurt our standing at school. Sometimes God asks us to obey him and to not do things that some of our other friends at school are doing because we know it wouldn't honor God and we know it's going to cost us. Sometimes in business we have to make decisions that actually will hurt us financially because other people aren't doing things the right way and they're making money because of it. And we say, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to honor my God rather than honor my pocketbook. Sometimes in relationships with our, with our spouses and with our kids, we have to make decisions. Are we going to act honorably or dishonorably? Are we going to obey our Father in heaven? The model of Jesus, he was obedient even to death on a cross. And he gives us that model. I don't know about you, there's con be conditional obedience, unconditional obedience. I, I, I'm not a good dog trainer. Don't ever ask me to train your dogs. I will do an awful job. I can't do it. I have dogs that are conditional obeyers. If they want to do what I tell them to do, they obey. Did you get that? But if they don't want to do what I tell them to do, they don't obey. So if they feel like running up to me and playing, then they'll do it. If they don't and I call them, come inside, come inside. They just look at me like... And they go on their merry way. I mean, literally, we named our dog in Kazakhstan Boss. I mean, he, he was the boss. He, he came with that name, and now I understand why that was the name. We left it with him. Uh, he would only obey when his will aligned with mine. And then he obeyed great. But was he really obeying? Not so much. He was always doing what he wanted to do. It's just sometimes our wills overlined. If I'm true about myself, sometimes I'm like that with God. I'm really willing to obey when our wills align. But when they don't, when it's inconvenient, when it may cost, when it doesn't align where I feel I should be, or the attention that I think I deserve, or the justification that I feel I need to make about myself, am I going to obey him then? Ask the question. So Jesus gives us a tough model. He gives this model of serving, of taking our eyes off ourselves and on to other people. He gives us this model of obeying, even when it costs. 
I mean, Jesus in the garden, what did he say? He said, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine. He says, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey you. But I love the last part of this psalm, of this hymn. It was therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what's coming. Right? That's what's coming. One day, everyone will acknowledge him for who he is. Everyone. So if he was God in the past, fully present with God, and he adopted humanity in in our time and sphere, one day we look forward to this eternal future where he's going to be fully recognized. Everyone will acknowledge him, whether in shame and regret and separation from him, or with joy and delight and welcoming him for all eternity. But all will acknowledge him one day. Because God will make things right. And see, that's the cycle that we're invited into. We're invited into the cycle of humbling ourselves, of serving and obeying and letting God be the one who brings the honor instead of us being the ones trying to find it. The Bible talks about, he says, humble yourselves under the Lord's mighty arm and he will lift you up in due course. It talks about it in, in, in 1 Peter There's this concept of saying, hey, I'm going to flip the switch. I'm going to seek God's honor and God's glory. And I do that by serving and obeying. And then one day, he will honor. One day, he will give his thanks towards us. But Jesus is the ultimate, right? I mean, God himself became man, obeyed perfectly to death. And he will be acknowledged by all. But he sets that pattern and model for us. Okay. So what are you going to do this week? I say, hey, just ask God. Say, God, what, what is one way I can become more like you? What's one way that I can either serve One way that I can obey? What's something you'd have me to do to follow this model that you set down? Because I don't want to live by models that I have constructed. I don't want to adopt models of success for my culture. I want to model after my Lord, who I acknowledge now and want to follow. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this challenging passage of Scripture. We thank you for the reality that you did make yourself nothing, that you humbled yourself, that you did take the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. You humbled yourself to death, even death on a cross, and you did all that for our sake to take the punishment for our sin, to take the wrath of God that must have been punished so that the justice of God could be fulfilled, so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could have a relationship without fear 
a relationship that we know that we're forgiven, a relationship that we know that we stand before you, and out of that we can live and serve and love and obey because we're not worried about ourselves. We're not worried about what you think of us. We're not trying to justify ourselves. We have nothing to prove to anyone because we're accepted by you. Thank you. Help us this week, whatever age we are, whatever stage in life we are, whatever background we're from, to take a step forward in serving in Jesus' name and in his power, to obeying in the power of the Spirit for the glory of Christ and for the glory of God towards helping people come to acknowledge you as Lord now so they can enjoy you now and forever. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.